Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, what more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Hey guys, I have a podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. Proof, the investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here is releasing its highly anticipated second season where they investigate the murder of 18-year-old Renee Ramos. The first season, which if you haven't listened to yet, you totally should, saw the release of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend, Brian Bowling. And thanks to evidence unearthed by proof, on December 8th, 2022, both Daryl Lee Clark and Kane Joshua Story were finally freed after 25 years behind bars. With that same investigative drive, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, and this time, they are on the streets of Manteca, California, to find out who really killed Renee Ramos. In proof, murder at the warehouse, you hear how, on June 5th, 2000, Renee's body was found buried beneath a pile of debris inside a new Home Depot building. And how, despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, her boyfriend, 18-year-old Jake Silva, and 33-year-old Ty Lopez were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee, by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles when away. Arrived, the they found the telephone and electricity line. Weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Good morning. Murder. Crimes are being solved by citizen sleuths every day. They bring with them hope, smarts, fresh eyes, and unfiltered ideas that are thawing cold cases left and right. On July 26, 1974, the body of a woman was found and the cold case surrounding her began. A cold case that one imaginative sleuth hopes to solve with his movie know-how. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On July 26, 1974, a teenage girl walking her dog on Race Point Dunes in Provincetown, Massachusetts, stumbled upon a gruesome sight. Lying just yards away from the road was the body of a female who had, by this time, been dead about two weeks. She was laying face down on a beach blanket, and there were no signs of a struggle, leading police to assume that she either knew the killer or had been asleep when she was approached. Next to her body were two sets of footprints leading to the body and tire tracks about 50 yards from the scene. 
Under her head, like a makeshift pillow, was a blue bandana and a pair of Wrangler jeans. She had long auburn hair that was pulled back into a ponytail, was between 20 and 49 years old, and as far as police knew, no one had reported a woman matching her description as missing. The lady in the dunes, as police began calling her, had several of her teeth, one hand, and one forearm missing, possibly in hopes that she would never be identified. She was nearly decapitated, possibly from strangulation, and one side of her head had been crushed, presumably from a military entrenching tool. There were also signs that, post-mortem, this woman had been sexually assaulted. For months, as many as 30 investigators combed the area where the Lady of the Dunes was found, with no luck. No one was reporting her missing, and with only a vague description to go by, they knew identification was a long shot. Day by day, they were finding the owners of every deserted bicycle and vehicle in the area, as well as any car which had illegally been driven out of the dunes in the weeks prior to the body being found. Still, no luck. By October of 1947, the case was cold, and the lady was buried. Over the years, there seemed to be a renewed interest in the case, but with still very little luck solving it. In 1979, the first facial reconstruction of the woman was created out of clay and, the year after, her remains were exhumed in the hopes of finding new clues. In 1981, investigators got a tip that a woman resembling their lady was seen with mobster Whitey Bulger around the time of her death, and Bulger was known to remove his victim's teeth. Though, unfortunately, a link was never established and Whitey was murdered in prison in 2018. There is also speculation that she was the victim of serial killer Tony Costa, but he had died just a month before her body was found and was eliminated as a suspect. Another suspect was serial killer Hayden Clark, who confessed, stating, quote, I could have told the police what her name was, but after they beat the shit out of me, I wasn't going to tell them shit. Hayden, in 2004, sent a letter to a friend stating that he killed a woman in Cape Cod and sent drawings, one of which was a headless woman sprawled out on her stomach. However, according to authorities, Hayden suffered from paranoid schizophrenia, and this may lead to false confessions. A woman in 1987 came forward and stated that she saw her father strangling a woman in Massachusetts around 1972, but when police tried to locate her, they were unsuccessful. While another claimed that the murdered woman was her sister, who disappeared from Boston in 1974. All of these, while helpful, have not panned out. In March of 2000, her body was exhumed yet again for DNA. And in 2020, her skull was placed through a CT scanner to generate another reconstruction. Many leads have been followed, but all have led to dead ends. The most interesting lead, though, came from an unusual place. In August of 2015, Joe Hill, son of Stephen King, made an interesting observation while watching the 1975 film Jaws. A woman in the crowd, one wearing a blue bandana and jeans, looked eerily similar to the reconstruction made of the Lady in the Dunes. Joe, who had just learned of the case in a book about amateur sleuths solving cold cases, was stunned to see a familiar face in the July 4th crowd arrives scene of the movie. The film was shot between May and October of 1974 in an area just about 100 miles south of Provincetown. While this remains a long shot, it's not outside the realm of possibility that this woman was an extra who, upon leaving the movie set, went to a beach nearby. 
Unfortunately, records for large groups of extras back then were spotty at best. It would be interesting to see if, when the case is finally solved, she worked as an extra just before her death. And maybe, with the help of genealogical DNA and databases, the Lady in the Dune can finally have a name and a proper burial. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on July 27th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.